0: Thank you, my brother. Good job today. You and all the worship team, what a sweet, sweet spirit's been in this place today, hadn't it? I've enjoyed being with you. So glad you came back this evening for tonight's service. And I know that we usually do our radical Bible study um, tonight, and um, I was going to do that until we started this morning. And now I just want to finish what we started uh, this morning in John chapter 9. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope and pray that you do, please turn with me there. And we're going to look again at these first 12 verses. And I told you this morning, I entitled this message, A Man Called Jesus. A man called Jesus changed everything for me. A man called Jesus has done for me what I could not do for myself. A man called Jesus um, gave me purpose when I had none, and peace when I had no peace, and joy unspeakable and full of glory, just like the Bible talks about. He did all of that in my life through His grace and mercy. And I see here in John chapter 9, He did it in the life of this blind man that He healed. And we said this morning in these first 12 verses, There's a lot of things that it shows us, but it certainly shows us who Jesus is, how much He loves us. It shows us how much we need Him physically and spiritually. Now, how many of you understand tonight that I need the Lord just as much today as the day He saved me? And all of us do. I think a lot of times after we've been saved a while and we've got used to it, and I don't ever want to get used to it. How about you? I want to uh, always be amazed at the amazing grace of God we've sang about this evening and how good God is and what He's done in my life, but... Many times after we've been saved for a, for a while, um, we get used to the fact that God has done such a great work and, and we, we get used to doing things like we do them and we, we forget just how much we need him day by day. Grace not only saves us, but grace is the favor given to us so that we might be all that God has saved us to be. And so it shows us how much we need him physically and how much we need him spiritually, but it also shows us our purpose as his church and and what that looks like right from the pages of scripture. It really gives us a picture of what it means to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so we looked at three major points this morning. First of all, we looked at how what Jesus focused on. And we saw that according to verse number one, Jesus was focused on people. And so many times in the church, we lose our focus. We focus on everything else. We focus on things that um, like a, a teacher of mine used to say, that don't make a hill of beans. I mean, we we focus on stuff that really don't matter, stuff that's not eternal. But what we need to focus on is people because people have souls. And souls are eternal. And every man, woman, boy, and girl on the face of this planet are going to spend eternity in one of two places, either the devil's hell or in, in God's heaven. And all of that is determined by the decision they make concerning Christ. What they do with the truth of who Jesus is, the gospel. And so the Bible tells us that if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. So our focus as the people of God, as the church, the body of Christ, the hands and feet of Jesus must be what the focus of Christ is. And he focused on people. He came to seek and to save those which were lost. And so we got to get our focus right. And then we talked about in verse two, the futility of the disciples. They, They did some pointless things. They thought some things that that really didn't make any difference, that were pointless. And sometimes I wonder, I wonder, I was talking to a brother in Christ just the other day, and I said, man, do you think God ever sits in heaven and thinks, what are they doing? I mean, I gave them a book and everything. I gave them Holy Spirit to come and indwell them and lead God and direct them, and they just seem to be doing their own thing, going their own way, walking and living futile lives that are really pointless to what I've actually called them to be and to do. That's what they did. Their thought process was not where it needed to be. And because they weren't thinking like they should, they weren't acting like they should act. And sometimes we do the same thing. So the futility of the disciples I see a lot of times in my walk with the Lord. Then we looked uh, not only at the focus of Jesus, the futility of the disciples, but then we looked at how Jesus sees the future. And he said there in verse number four, he says, I'm going to work the works of him who sent me. I'm going to do it now because there's coming a time when we can't work. And we talked about how truly brief life is. And the older I get, the quicker it's going. And man, I look back now and I can't believe how much time has already passed. So we only have a little while to work and do the things that God has saved us to do. To be the people God has saved us to be. So church, what we got to do is get busy. What we've got to do is make the time count. Because there's going to come a time when we stand before the Lord and we will give an account for how we lived our life for the time we had. So it's very important that we see what's most important and follow hard after that. We get our focus right. We don't live futile lives. Tonight I want to finish on up with this and look down with me at verse number 6. The Bible says in the 6th verse that, When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. All right? So how many of you know Jesus healed blinded eyes all throughout his ministry? I mean, the whole time he was here upon this earth for the three and a half years that he ministered, um, he was continually healing blinded eyes. He did it several times throughout Scripture. There was one time in, in Matthew Uh, chapter number 9 and verses 27 through 31 that Jesus just simply prayed for two men and their eyes were uh, opened they they received sight in their blinded eyes and then in Mark chapter 8 verses 22 through 26 Jesus just put spit on a man's eyes and after he had put spit on the man's eyes then he was healed of his blindness Now, what I want you to see is the methods were different. And how many of you know, as the church, the body of Christ, when we are meeting needs, when we focus on people, when we're seeing needs and we're meeting needs, that sometimes our methods are going to differ. There's going to be different ways that we do that. And those different ways are going to be according to the gifts that we have. Listen, I may do things different than you do things. I minister different than you minister. You minister different than I minister. But that just means I can minister to different people. I can reach out and impact different people than you can. And you can reach out and impact people different than I can. And all that's good. And so then God uses all of us to accomplish His good will and purpose as His church. So the methods will be different, but the manner is the same. Now what is the manner of the healing? How, how did Jesus see the need and meet the need? Well, first of all, it was by, by His power. Amen? And even though our methods, as we walk in the, in, in, with the Lord and, and serve Him and serve others, our methods are going to be different. Our manner is the same. We walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, God working in us and working through us to accomplish His good will and purpose. And then, listen to me now, by the love of God, we reach out to people that we see day by day. And like I told you this morning, there are divine opportunities daily that we should be taking advantage of. And so many times I'm afraid that I miss those divine opportunities that are put in my path because I don't have my spiritual eyes open. I don't have my spiritual ears open. And I'm not ready to minister to those that the Lord puts in front of me day by day. But I can promise you this, they're there. And if you want to see them, if you want to minister, if you want to be what God has saved you to be, if you want to make a difference, you can. I remember once, and I've told some of you this story, but I was in a church service on a Sunday night, and I call it one of those two before moments. Those moments when it's like God takes the two before. And it hits you right upside the head with it with the Word of God. I mean, it just hits you and you know it's right for you. I mean, you know that's exactly what God is speaking to your heart. That's what happened to me. And the pastor was preaching and he said, I'll tell you what you need to do tonight. If you want to be used of God, you can be used of God. But what you need to do is get serious with Him. If you want to make a difference in someone's life, God will use you to do that. And man, the Lord just got all over me about that. And that night I came up to the altar and I said, Lord, however you want to use me to help others, I want you to make it real to me. I want you to put those opportunities in front of me and give me the boldness to take advantage of the privilege you've given me to serve. Man, that next morning I went to work and y'all know I work for the highway department and, and um... It was, it was kind of like the weather we're having right now. It had rained for about three or four days straight. And so when it rains and we work outside, there's not a whole lot you can do on the road when it's raining. So we were just mainly riding routes, making sure that um, there was no trees that had fallen or anything in the road that, that might keep people from getting where they need to be. And so we were going all over the county, and there was four guys in the truck with me. Or excuse me, three, four total. I was sitting in the back, me and another man. There was two sitting up front. And while we were riding that morning, one of the guys that were in the truck, who I knew was not a believer, began just asking questions about spiritual things. I was sitting there and he said, uh, he, out of the blue, out of nowhere, he just says, man, what do y'all think happens when you die? I was like, wow, I'm glad you asked. So I started telling him from the word of God, what happens when you die? You know what God's Word says about our need for Jesus and how that uh, all of us stand in need of a Savior and that we are going to spend eternity in one of two places. And what we need to do is trust in Christ so we'll be ready when we lead this walk of life because it's coming for us all. And I kept telling him, I said, man, I wish that I could uh, show you in my Bible. I just don't have my Bible with, you, with me right now, but I could show you what I'm talking about. And we'd go on a little further and he'd ask another question. And I, I do my best to explain it to us. Man, I wish I had a Bible. If I had a Bible, I could show you. And, and we got, to, man, we was having a great discussion, all four of us in the truck. I mean, it's one of those times when it's like God came in that truck with us and just, we had church. It was amazing. And we'll go a little further than he is just asking. These, this happened, this went on for like three hours that morning. And so we're riding down the road, I'll never forget it, down on 19 South, almost in Detroit. We're riding down the road, and I'd already said three or four times, man, I wish I had a Bible I could show you. And the guy driving says, you ain't going to believe this. I just ran over a Bible. And I said, no, man. He said, yeah, there's a Bible back there. I said, pick it up. We so backed up. We picked the Bible up, and the pages are a little bit soggy and wet, but I was able to flip through and, and share with that man just what we had been talking about. And then it just got quiet as a pen. I mean, you could have heard a pin drop in that truck. We went on throughout the rest of the day, man, and I was just amazed at what God had done. Stuff like that just don't happen. God had to be involved in that. And I began to see just what that pastor was telling me, that if you are wanting to be used and willing to be used, God will use you and open doors, put divine opportunities in your path so that you can make a difference in someone's life. And so at the end of the day, we went on and went home. And the next morning, I got back to work. I got there about, uh, I don't know, 6.45, something like that. We start to work at 7. As soon as I walked in, the man that I'd been talking to the day before called me outside. He said, man, I got to talk to you. I said, all right, so we walk outside. He said, uh, "He said, what do you think about yesterday? I said, well, I'll tell you what I think. I think God wanted all of us to know his truth and made a way so that we could know it. I said, I think God was trying to speak to all of us in that truck. He said, well, let me ask you this. He said, do you think that means one of us is going to die? And I said, brother, I don't know. But I'll tell you this, you can be ready to die if you'll trust in Jesus as your personal Savior he didn't accept Christ that day. But I know this, a seed was planted. And I know God did a work that only He could do. That's not always the method, but the manner is the same. By the power of God and because of the love of God that has been shed abroad in the hearts of His people, we can make a difference in people's lives day by day. Can you say amen to that? Now, there's there's something that I want us to see here about the man. First of all, there's a decision made by this man. Look what happens in verse number seven. And he said and, and verse number six, excuse me. When he had spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and he said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way therefore and washed and came seeing. Jesus gives this man a specific command. And he says, this is where I want you to go wash. Uh, This is what you need to do. Now, folks, how many of you know there's probably a whole lot of other places that this man could have went and washed this out of his eyes? I mean, he could have probably went to his home or went to his local well or wherever it was and washed this um, out of his eyes that Jesus had put there. But that ain't what Jesus told him to do. And that would have been partial obedience. At least you would have got it washed out. But let me say something to you. And we need to get a hold of this child of God. Partial obedience to the Lord is disobedience. When God gives us specific commands in our lives, do that. You know what I've come to find out? If we just do what God says, things will go a whole lot better for all of us. How many times have I said to you, and I'm going to keep saying it, if you want God's blessing in your life, if you want God's blessing, you've got to do it God's way. So what God tells us to do, when He gives us specific commands straight from His Word, just do it, and it will make a difference in your life. Now the truth is this, we all have been given free will. I can do what I want to do, and how do you know you can do what you want to do? God gave us free will because He didn't want a bunch of robots. God could have made us all the same way so that we would obey Him continually forever. But He didn't want people who loved Him because they were forced to. He wanted people who would love and obey Him because they chose to. Because that's what real love looks like. And so God gave us free will to do what we want, when we want, how we want. But I can tell you this. We need to know as the people of God, there are consequences to obeying God and there are consequences to disobeying God. And so we got to make a decision what we are going to do. If you want God's blessing, do it God's way. I believe if this man had went and washed anywhere else beside the pool of Siloam, I think he'd have still been blind that day. We've got to take God's truth, His word unto us. Apply it unto ourselves. And I'll promise you this, it'll make a difference in your life, in every area of your life. I'll tell you this, if you'll take God's truth... What it says about your marital relationship and apply it to your life, it'll make a difference in your marriage. If you'll take God's truth and apply it to your parenting, your parental relationship with you and your kids, it'll make a difference with you and your kids. If you'll take God's truth and apply it um, to how you work, how you live, your vocation, and it says a lot about that in the word of God. If you'll take God's word and apply that truth to your life, it'll make a difference even at your workplace in every area of our lives, if we'll just take what God says, act on faith, and do what He tells us to do, then it makes all the difference for us. Dr. Tony Evans says that living by faith is just acting like God is telling the truth. If you believe what God says is truth, take that truth, apply it to your life and be obedient. This man had a decision to make, and we too today. Have a decision to make. Are we going to do what God says or are we not? It's really up to us. Not only do I don't want you to see the decision he made, but also see the difference that was made in his life. Look at verse number 8. The neighbors, the people looking from the outside in. Therefore, and they which before had seen him, that he was blind, said, Is this not he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. And others said, He is like him, but he said, I am he. Now I want you to get this. This man was so different after he encountered Jesus that people wondered if it was the same guy. There is a difference when someone truly encounters the living Christ. Now I, I, I tell you, let me tell you what I've come to find out. Man, you go witnessing in the community. You go witnessing not only here but other places. And you start telling people about Jesus. Let me tell you what I found out. Everybody's saved. Everybody's going to tell you they saved. Everybody's going to tell you, man, brother Israel, years ago I trusted in the Lord and I ain't darkened the door of a church in years. There has been no evidence to a life committed unto Christ forever in their lives. They live in open sin, but according to them, they're okay because they signed a card and went through a baptistry 50 years ago. I'm going to tell you something, folks. I cannot judge anybody's eternity. That is certainly not what I can do or should do, or anybody can, except for the Lord. But I can tell you this a man that has truly encountered Jesus will change. Amen. This man changed. Matter of fact, everybody I see in Scripture that encountered Jesus changed. Peter changed, Paul changed. Paul went from the foremost persecutor of the Christian faith to the foremost preacher in the Christian faith. Why? Because he encountered Jesus. And the Lord made a difference in his life. The Lord made a difference in this man's life. I hear people talk about, well, brother Ezra, the Lord just loves me just like I am. You know what he does? He loves you just like you are, right where you are. As a matter of fact, God never called you to clean yourself up and come to Jesus. You ever had somebody tell you that? i tell you what, man, when I get to where I can live it, I'll do it. I ain't going to be like a bunch of hypocrites down there at Mount Zion. When I get to where I can live it, man, you better look out because I'm going to do it then. Guess what? God never called you to clean yourself up. God does love you right where you are. But I'll tell you this. Once you've found Jesus, He loves you too much to leave you where He finds you. He starts the work of regeneration in your life. And He creates a new In you and through you. The Bible teaches that in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away and all things become new. There's a difference that takes place. You go from being in the darkness to being in the light. You go from being outside of Christ to being in Christ. There's a change that takes place. There'll be a difference in people who see it. If you've encountered the Lord Jesus as your Savior, there's a difference in this man's life, and he still makes a difference in our lives today. For what purpose, though? We we were talking in our men's group just a few weeks ago, and I love something that Brother Ben said. He said that God is much more interested in making you holy than making you happy. Do you know that's true? See, the purpose for you being saved, being born again into the family, is so that you might be conformed to the image of Jesus. Everybody take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 8 real quick. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 29. The Bible says, For whom he did foreknow... He also did predestinate. It is our destiny, watch this, to be conformed to the image of His Son. So what's the purpose for God saving you? What is God's destiny, your destiny, that is a part of God's plan? What is it? It's so that you might become like Christ. Now when did that start? That started at the moment you trusted in Jesus. And listen, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you were born again into His family. It started then, but that process continues day by day until we get to heaven. The Bible says when we get to heaven, we're going to be just as He is. But right now, we're working towards that. So we're going to be growing in the Lord. We're going to be, uh, listen, becoming more and more and more like Christ. We're to be more like Christ today than I was yesterday. And more like Christ tomorrow uh, than, than I was today. We are conformed to the image, watch this, of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now how is it possible? Well, like I said, first of all, through the power of the Holy Spirit, His work in our hearts, working in us, working on us, and working through us to accomplish God's good will and purpose in our life. But also, it's through the precious Word of God. How do you understand that it's through the Word of God that we realize what it means to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus? Romans chapter 12. Flip over just a few pages there. And look with me at verse number 1. The Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. I love this verse. Now let me tell you the only problem with a living sacrifice A living sacrifice continually tries to crawl off the altar. And that's my problem. And that's your problem. A sacrifice all throughout the Old Testament was an act of worship before the Lord. God had given through the Old Testament Scriptures, through the Old Covenant, the the sacrificial system. And the man who chose to sacrifice the way God told him to was the man of faith. So that sacrifice became an act of worship. And so really what the Bible is saying is that we are called to be living acts of worship as the people of God. Living out our faith day by day. Becoming more and more and more like Christ. Worship is more than just what we do with our lips on Sunday. It's what we do with our lives on Monday. It's more than what we sing about in the church house but... The decisions we make in our house, at our workplace, at the school, wherever we are, that's a life of worship. That's a living sacrifice. He says we are to be holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. I love that word. He just said it's reasonable that we are to give our life to Christ and be what He wants us to be because He gave His life for us. Just makes sense. He paid the price at Calvary. So we could experience new life in Him. He says in verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be molded and made into the image of the world, but be transformed. And He tells us how to do it by the renewing of our mind. So how do we renew our mind? A lot of people think that what you put into your mind, either through the eye gate or the ear gate, don't make a whole lot of difference. You know what I heard last weekend? That they were they were charging about five million dollars every 30 seconds for ad time during the Super Bowl. So all the commercials that you saw was costing them about five million dollars every 30 seconds. Now Why did they do that? Because they knew there was going to be more people watching the Super Bowl than any other sporting event this year. And they knew what people see will impact the decisions and choices that they make. And so if they can go on and put their product out there and put that in your mind, it's going to affect how you live. It will affect what you buy when you go to the grocery store even. They know the importance of it. Now, folks, if the world knows the importance of that, I can promise you we as the people of God had better know the importance of it if we're going to be what God wants. So we've got to continually renew our mind. I'm going to tell you this. You put garbage in your mind, garbage is going to come out. You're going to live it out. The Scripture says in the book of Proverbs that as a man thinks, so is he. So whatever I think about, my However I think, if I have stinking thinking, I'm stinking living. If I think about things that are ungodly, it's going to make a difference in the decisions and choices that I make day by day, whether to obey God or disobey God. To be what God wants or to not be what God wants. So the Apostle Paul says, if we're going to be living sacrifices, what we've got to do is continually renew our mind. So why is it important that you're in church on Sunday? Because we're getting a hold of truth, amen? We're getting in God's Word in Sunday school. We're getting in God's Word in a worship service. We're getting in God's Word in our D group Sunday night or Wednesday night. We're getting in the Word of God as we start getting in that truth and applying those things to our life. Our mind is continually being renewed. That shouldn't just happen at church on Sunday or Wednesday. That should happen for us daily as a people of God. Getting in God's truth, applying these principles to our life. Just like the Scripture says. It's line upon line, precept upon precept. It's here a little, there a little. We grow from glory to glory, becoming more like Jesus as we apply his truth. So, just like this man in John chapter 9, when you've encountered Jesus, there'll be a difference in your life. We see the decision, we see the difference, but there's also a declaration. Watch this. He says in verses 10 and verse number 11, Therefore they said unto him, How were thine eyes opened? Verse 11 says, And he answered and says, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. When they asked this man what's different about you, he said Jesus made all the difference. Now I'm going to tell you something. When you make the decision, child of God, when you make the decision Church, the body of Christ, to to, uh, obey the Lord daily with your decisions that you make. When you start applying God's truth to your life and, and you're being conformed to the image of Christ and you're transforming your mind by the Word of God, then people are going to wonder what made the difference. And that's when you tell them, Jesus made the difference in me. There's a declaration that He makes that we need to make. He's not ashamed of the one who changed his life. How many you know we shouldn't be either? The Apostle Paul says. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. For it's the power of God unto salvation. Folks. I would rather please Jesus. Than impress the world. I would rather honor Jesus. Then do what's necessary to be popular to those that are lost. If He's truly made a difference in my life, if He's truly changed me, then why would I be ashamed of it? Amen? If He's truly saved me from a devil's hell and given me a home in heaven, then why would I want others to know who He is and what He's done in my life? So this week, let me encourage you to do this. Listen, make decisions that honor the Lord. Be obedient to what He says. When God says do it, do it. If God says don't do it, don't do it. It's pretty simple. Be a difference. I had a man tell me one time, he said, We ought to be the difference we want to see in other people's lives. I like that. This week, you be the difference you want to see in others' lives. This week, You declare who changed you and who made you new. You let others know that Christ has made the difference in your life. Don't be ashamed of who he is and what he's done. Before we close, I want to pray for you. If you have special needs, if there's something going on in your life, I want you to make those known this evening. We're going to pray about it. Anybody? Father, we love you. Thank you so much for loving us. Lord, I'm so thankful um, that your focus is on the hearts and lives of people. I'm thankful you're concerned about us. I'm thankful you came to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Thank you for grace, love, mercy, and forgiveness that comes freely through the cross. Thank you, Lord, for these services that we've had today. Thank you for these people that are here. And I pray for each and every prayer request that's been mentioned and for those that could not be mentioned tonight. And I'm asking you in Jesus' mighty name that you do a work in the hearts and lives of your people. Have your way and have your will in all of us. Lord, we want to be uh, what you've saved us to be. We want to do what you've saved us to do day by day. May we be living acts of worship as we leave this place and go to our homes and go to our workplace and go to our school and give us, Lord, spiritual boldness to declare who you are and what you've done in our lives. Father, we're praying now for all the special needs that's been mentioned, for those that are sick, for those that are going to the doctor or having surgery, or for Lord, for those who have had accidents. We pray in Jesus' name that you work um, in accordance to your will in each and every situation. We don't know what they need, but Lord, we know you are the great physician and know all things. And you can take care of every problem that we have. We're trusting in that. We're believing you for that. And we're asking tonight that you work in the lives of your people. And, Lord, Father, you, you touch and answer these prayer requests that's been mentioned. Lord, we're asking that you, uh, as we go, that you bring us back again safely. And, Father, we're going to give you honor, praise, and glory for it all. In Jesus' name, amen.